It was about this time last night that millions of American people tuned in and watched a man stand in front of them to tell them about their future. You may be aware that last night President Trump gave his first address as president before a joint session of Congress. And whether you tuned into the speech or not, whether you liked the speech or not, maybe one thing that all of us can agree upon is that it was a very important speech for our country, a very important speech for his presidency. Like just about every president who has given a speech like that, he tried to address what he considered to be the most important issues facing our country today, issues like the economy and immigration and terrorism and health care. And then he attempted to show Congress and the American people his vision for a better and brighter future. Now, at first glance, what's going on in this room tonight might not seem to have a whole lot in common with what happened on Capitol Hill last night. I mean, millions of people aren't tuning in. I'm pretty sure that the media outlets and, and social media won't be talking about this for days to come. And I'm not expecting, at least, that I'm going to be interrupted every two, senten two sentences with a, a round of applause or a standing ovation, like happens during those presidential speeches. But really, there is one very important thing that, that ties these two evenings together. Both of them are very important for our future. In fact, as it pertains to our future, what, what is going on in this room tonight actually has what happened on Capitol Hill last night beat in, in two very important ways. First of all, the issue that we are talking about tonight as it pertains to our future is immensely more significant than anything that President Trump brought up last night. And then secondly, as, as we discuss and as we talk about the future, I am able to stand before you this evening and talk with immensely more certainty than President Trump could last night. In fact, I, I don't really even need to say much of anything. In fact, I can, I can kind of just show you. This is your future. When you stare into the ashes of this bowl, you are staring into your future. Ever, from the, ever since the time that God said to Adam and Eve, dust you are and to dust you will return, death has been a part of the reality of the human experience, an inescapable, unavoidable part of our reality, and a part of our reality that, that when properly understood and when given the focus that it deserves really takes everything else that might be going on in our lives, even every important issue facing our country, and it, it reduces it down to size. It puts it in its proper perspective. When you think about it, you, you could even take the entire history of our nation. You could certainly take early 21st century American politics. You could certainly take anything that would happen or anything that you would do during your lifetime. And, and all of it is nothing more than a single speck of sand thrown into an endless ocean of eternity. Ash Wednesday, these, these ashes, this dust confronts us in a most vivid and stark way with the most significant and most certain event of our future. So it's a good thing you're here, right? It's a good thing you're in church this evening. I mean, after all, that's, that's kind of what church is all about, right? Preparing for death, 
finding out the solution for death, finding the secret to eternal life. And in the parable that I, I just read, that's exactly what two men are doing. Two men are going to church. Now, if, if you've heard this story before, or even as you paid attention as I read it, those two men probably seem about as different as different can be. One of them is a Pharisee. In other words, this is Mr. Model Upstanding Citizen. This is Mr. Picture Perfect Family Man. This is the kind of guy that every church would want to have in its membership. And then there's the tax collector. He's a thief because he pads his own pockets at the expense of his fellow countrymen. He's a traitor because he does all of this in service to the hated Roman government. He is the most despicable class of people in society in Jesus' day. You probably also noticed that when they went to the temple, what each one of them did was, was very, very different. The Pharisee stood proud and tall to thank God for how good he was. The tax collector bowed very low to ask forgiveness for how bad he was. And yet, as, as different as these two men seem, tonight, for our purposes, I actually want to focus on what they have in common. First of all, the simple fact that both of them went to church. And then secondly, each one of them left church with the very thing that they had come to church for. Starting out with the Pharisee, the Pharisee came to church that day looking for approval, looking for approval in his own eyes and in the eyes of the other people who were there, and looking for an approval that was based on his own goodness. And so just the simple fact that he was in church that day gave him one more reason, one more piece of evidence for him to tell himself that he was a pretty good guy. And then every single time he went to church, he could magnify his own goodness even further by comparing himself to the other people who were there. And in fact, this day in particular was especially productive because when he showed up, he saw this tax collector. And boy, compared to that dirty, rotten scoundrel of a tax collector, he really looked like a great guy. So that's what this Pharisee went to church for, and that's exactly what the Pharisee left church with. He left with approval in his own eyes and, and probably in the eyes of a lot of people who were there. What a, what a great guy he was. The tax collector also went to church that day looking for approval, not in the eyes of men, not in his own eyes, but in the eyes of God. And it was an approval that was not based on his own goodness. In fact, he knew that he could never earn God's approval based on his own goodness. Instead, he seemed, strangely enough, completely convinced of two truths that, that seemed to be polar opposites. On the one hand, that his own goodness would never be enough for God's approval. Instead, he bowed his head low. He beat his own chest in disgust over his behavior. But at the same time, he was fully convinced that the problem he had was able to be fixed by his good and gracious God. In fact, as he prayed, the, the very specific word that he used indicated that he wasn't simply asking God to ignore his sin. He wasn't simply asking God not to punish him for his sin. He was fully confident that all of the goodness that he needed to stand before God, God himself could and would freely give. That's what he was looking for, and that's exactly what he went home with. Jesus says that this man, this tax collector, not the Pharisee, went home 
justified, went home validated, went home with approval before God. Now, it might be easy for us to hear that story and take the lesson of the parable and sort of check it off the list and say, yep, I I think I've got that one down. I mean, there's no way that I would ever have the attitude that that Pharisee did. When I come to God's house, when I come to church, I come very mindful of my own sin. I come very humble. Good to go. We can all go home now, right? But pay very very close attention to the urgent warning that Jesus is giving us in these verses. He's letting us know that when the devil hatches his schemes to try and lead us away from God, he doesn't do that simply by convincing us to be bad or to do bad things. No, maybe even more often than not, the devil is perfectly content to let us do all kinds of good things, but then to look at those good things as the basis for our approval before God. And he will take anything he can get his hands on. He will take your church attendance. He will take your Bible reading. He will take your daily prayer. He will take how good of a neighbor you are, how good of a citizen you are, how good of a spouse and a parent you are. He will even take your repentance. He will say, look at how sorry you are for your sins. You're here on Ash Wednesday. Look at how humble you are. You are such a good person. The devil will take anything that he can work with. And that's another reason why it's so important for us to pay attention to what is in this bowl. You see, if we are going to look for our approval before God on the basis of our own goodness, then just like the Pharisee, it will always have to be a relative goodness. It will always have to be a goodness that is in comparison to the goodness of other people. Except the problem is that God doesn't care about our relative goodness. It's not good enough before God if we simply try our best or if we give it all we've got. It's not good enough before God if we're just a little bit better than other people or we can find people who are worse than us. No, far from expecting relative goodness, God expects absolute goodness. He expects perfection. And what's in that bowl is a vivid reminder of that. It's kind of ironic that people look for all kinds of different ways to, to stay healthy and live longer, and in a lot of ways kind of cheat and kind of prolong their life and, and put off death as much as they possibly can, when in reality, escaping death is a very, very simple thing. Just be good. And if you could be as good as God expects you to be, you would never have to worry about dying, no matter how much junk food you ate. Of course, the flip side of that is that as we realize this is our future, we can't escape, we can't avoid, we can't dodge, we can't even delay death to all that great of extent. All of a sudden we realize that no matter how good we think our goodness might be, it is not good enough. If we're tempted to to find our validation based on our own goodness, like the Pharisee, we need to pay close attention to what is in that bowl. With our own goodness, we might be able to win approval in the eyes of other people, but, but not before God. And so we will leave this place with, with approval in the eyes of ourselves, in the eyes of others, but nothing more than that. Instead, friends, like that tax collector, place a full 100% of your hope, 
your confidence in where you stand before God with Jesus Christ. Because God has already looked at the life Jesus lived for you and the death Jesus died for you, and he has declared that it is 100% good enough, 100% all you need. He made that crystal clear when he brought Jesus back to life. Unlike the Pharisee, exactly like the tax collector, as you seek your validation and approval before God, simply turn to Jesus. And you will leave church with exactly what you came to church for. So yes, it's, it's good to be here. But pay attention very carefully that two men went to church that day. Both of them left with exactly what they came for. All who come to this place seeking validation based on their own goodness will, will leave with that, but nothing more. But all who come to this place to turn to Jesus and to find their validation before God and him will leave with exactly that and a whole lot more. See, it turns out there's a few perks that come with having complete and total validation before God, and probably the biggest perk of them all pertains to what is in this bowl. Yes, because of our sin, these ashes, this dust, is a certain part of our future. And yet, because of Jesus, it is not our forever. Jesus has turned death from the period that comes at the end of our life to nothing more than a comma that transitions from this life on earth to the eternal life to come. That most certain and significant problem that you and I face has been met, has been outdone, has been undone by an even more significant and more certain solution in our Savior Jesus Christ. From dust, yep, that's where we came from. To dust, yep, that's where we will return. But beyond dust is our eternity. We will rise from dust through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, as you come to God's house tonight and every Sunday, every Wednesday, only and always turn to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.